You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Mark Fientos hit his 13th home run of the season on Tuesday night. In my opinion, he is the best power bat on the 40-man roster, not named Pete Alonzo on the show today, the first segment, I'm going to give you a deep dive into the numbers on Vientos and the improvements he made this year and why he is ready to face MLB pitching every day. In the second segment, we'll explain how he gets in the lineup every day at the MLB level. Then in the final segment, I guess we will recap what happened. Mets first race, Justin Verlander did not fare well in his City Field debut. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, Ficklestein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor, and where I wrote a piece that will be published on Wednesday about Mark Vientos, titled Mark Vientos is the New York Mets' best bet to add power, which I'll probably title today's podcast as well. And what I was looking for is an explanation for why the numbers have been better for Vientos this year, and just Wondering if there was still any holes in his game. And really my hypothesis going in was, or what I was trying to solve, is last year he struck out you know, over 28% of the time in AAA. This year it's around 20%. What I was hoping to find is a better approach, chasing less, and faring a lot better against breaking balls. But I didn't know what I would get when I looked under the hood. And what I found was exactly what I was hoping to see. A hitter that has learned how to recognize breaking balls, a massive hole in his game last year where pitchers could throw sliders out of the zone, he would chase them or curveballs. And now he's able to spit on those pitches, get himself into counts where pitchers have to attack him, and then once he gets fastballs, he can ambush them and he can do damage. And it also explains why the splits have come back in his favor. Because last year... He did not fare well against right-handed pitching. He did a lot of his damage against lefties, which is why he was a natural platoon partner for Daniel Vogelback and a guy you thought, all right, call him up, let him just face lefties. He'll feast in those matchups. Now I'm looking at him and saying, look, this guy is your best chance to add a home run bat into your lineup against lefties and righties because suddenly he is seeing the ball as well against righties as lefties, if not better. You look at the splits this year. 360 average against lefties, 324 against righties, 429 on base against lefties, 414 against righties. Slug is at 600 against lefties, 694 against righties. Now, he hit a home run off a lefty tonight, so those numbers will get skewed. All the stats today are prior uh, to the game on Tuesday night. He's now at 13 home runs. 11 of them, though, have came against right-handed pitching, and now after the home run tonight, two against lefties. So, again, no longer a concern if he can face right-handed pitching. And you look at the stats last year. 280 average, 358 on base, 519 slug. Very good. 24 home runs. He had a 129 weighted runs created plus. That measures hitters based on a league average of 100. So he was 29% better than your league average hitter. This year, though, again, this is prior to the game tonight. 
He was hitting 331, 416 on base, 676 slug. Homered again, so that's only going to go up. Uh, now 13 home runs, 11 doubles. He was at 35 RBIs. I didn't. I think he had two RBIs tonight, so that'd be 37. Weighted runs created plus was 167. Imagine that ticks up a bit. And again, that strikeout rate, he's cut it by 8%. So how did he get there? How did he get to those improvements? Again, it comes back to the breaking ball. Last year, Mark Vientos hit 150 against breaking balls, 209 on base, 242 slug. Do you know what his strikeout rate was against breaking balls? 37.2%. Okay, now these are plate appearances that end with a breaking ball. So it's either a strikeout or him putting the ball in play. So 37.2% of the time he was striking out. He's only walking 6.2% of the time. This year, 265 against breaking balls. Over 100 points climbed in his average. 357 on base. About 150 points climbed in the on-base percentage. 471 slug, 230-some-odd points in the slugging department. The biggest thing, though, the K rate. From 37.2 down to 21.4, and even more impressive, the walk rate. That slider that they throw outside of the zone, try to get him to chase on a 3-2 pitch, he's spitting on it, taking his walks. Walk rate from 6.2% to 14.3%. K that is a remarkable change because his walk rate altogether hasn't really climbed, but he's you know walking when he's supposed to and swinging when he's supposed to. His zone contact rate up five percent. His chase rate down five percent. All of this points to better swing decisions. And you look at the individual pitches. Last year, Mark Vientos's OPS against sliders four forty nine. This year eight oh five. Last year, OPS against curveballs, 407. This year, 1302. 1302. I never really know how to frame an OPS that's over 1,000. So 1,302, whatever. Ridiculous, okay? He has struggled a little bit more this year against changeups and, and splitters compared to last year where he was better on them. But I think it's because last year, all he was identifying was fastballs and changeups and splits. Now he's seeing breaking balls so well that you know maybe that pitch is eluding him, but the sample size is so small, I'm not worried about him suddenly getting exposed by change-ups. Honestly, if they want to start throwing him a diet of change-ups, guess what? You miss a change-up and you get it out over the heart of the plate, Mark Vientos can sit back on that and put it 450, if not 475. That is what you're talking about with his power. Now here's the thing. Okay, this is where it gets really exciting looking at the numbers of Mark Vientos, if you're not already excited. Last season, he saw fastballs 40% of the time. This year, that's jumped up to 48% of the time. Again, if you try to get him you know, at 1-2 to swing in a slider, and he spits on it, you do it again, 2-2, two, two, now you're sitting 3-2, are you going to go to the well a third time if he's identifying it? Are you going to try to throw a slider for a strike? No, he said, you know what, let me just try to get my fastball by him. I haven't thrown him once since maybe... OO in this uh, at bat. So you say, all right, let me try to get the fastball by him. And then he can ambush. And, and he is doing so much damage on fastballs. Last year, he was a 302 hitter against fastballs, 408 on base, 562 slug. This is what he did. He's a great fastball hitter. 11 home runs, 201 plate appearances that ended in a fastball in 2022. 2023, 377 is his average, 462 on base, 844 slug. 
Um, 10 home runs in 91 plate appearances. I have to look back at the highlight today. If it was another fastball he had out, I would not be surprised if it was. Uh, but almost all of his home runs this year coming on fastballs. Um, he has been elite, okay? He's cut his K rate on fastballs, too, from 24.4% to 15.4%. He's seen the ball great, okay? He is putting himself in really good situations, getting himself in counts where he gets pitched to hit, and he's driving baseballs out of the yard. He is homering at the same rate that Pete Alonso is at the MLB level. Now, it's not to say you could take his numbers against AAA pitching and put him right up there and say, yeah, he's going to do it against big league pitching. But this year he's homering in every 13.4 plate appearances. That's actually probably going to go down even more since he homered again today. So I'm sure maybe that gets even you know under 13 plate appearances per homer. Last year it was 17.8. Now, if he were to maintain his current pace, and again, probably got skewed even more today, over 600 plate appearances, he's on pace for a 45 home run season. Okay, And you look at his numbers compared to Francisco Alvarez, Ronnie Mauricio, Brett Beatty, the other top prospects in the Mets system. This was a tweet I put up on May 15th, so a couple days ago. Mark Vianto, 61 home runs and 937 plate appearances since 2021. Alvarez, 53 and 914. This is all in the minor leagues, mind you. Ronnie Mauricio, 53 and 1,161. Beatty, 36 and 847 plate appearances. Why do I say all that? Well, if you look at home runs per plate appearance, okay, how many plate appearances it takes to hit a home run on average? For Mark Vientos, that rate is at 15.36. Alvarez, a little over 17. Mauricio, almost 22. Beatty, 23 and a half. Point being, Mark Vientos is the most accomplished home run hitter in the Mets farm system. If you want to add home runs to your lineup, Mark Vientos is the best bat suited to face MLB pitching and hit home runs. I think Brett Beatty, a more accomplished, well-rounded hitter all around to face MLB pitching and hit a home run today. But to strictly hit home runs, if you're looking to add another bat in your lineup that can be a 30-40 home run guy for the next couple of years, Mark Vientos is the answer. So the question then becomes, how do you get him in the starting lineup a debate that we have had on this show endlessly, but I want to try to find a uh, specific solution to it, and we're going to do that in just a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by So Rare. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace, transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards, such as So Rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn to play. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com. The draft your team of free player cards. Set your lineup. Start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that is SoRare.com slash LockedOn. Start playing today. New 
York Mets play the Tampa Bay Rays tonight, 7-10 Eastern. Catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, Mark Vientos, how do they get his bat into the lineup? It is a question that we continue to harp on on this show, but I really wanted to think about it and try to come to some conclusion on what the Mets should do here. Because as much as I point squarely at Daniel Vogelback, and I say, get him out, hand the keys of the position to Mark Vientos for the season, and for the next couple of years, just let the guy rake. I also have to understand all of the context and the fact that the Mets need to get through a 162-game season and the fact that as much as we can knock Daniel Vogel back, when it just strictly comes to the outcome of a plate appearance, if you're looking at analytics, he has been the second-best hitter in the Mets lineup since he came over to Pete Alonso. I hate that that is true, but if we look at weighted runs created plus, which again measures hitters based on a league average of 100, his 137 WRC plus um, is the second highest on the team behind Pete across these two years because he's consistently walking in an 18% clip, which weighted runs created plus loves. And he's getting on base at a 390 clip, which it loves. He's in 255 this year. Um, or actually, this is actually since last year. In 255 in a Mets uniform across 87 games played, 390 on base, 416 slug. Problem is, he's hit eight home runs and 300 plate appearances. So it's weighing that. It's weighing the benefit and the good at-bats that you're getting with the ill fit on the roster because it's hard to carry Vientos and Vogel back. And I'd say that the simplest solution would be look at Eduardo Escobar barely playing. You DFA him. You bring up Vientos because he can play a little bit of third. He becomes kind of your backup platoon third baseman with Beatty. So if you want to give Beatty a day against a lefty, you throw Vientos at third base. Maybe get Pete off his feet at first base every once in a while. You let him DH. You, you just kind of spread Vientos out and hope that if he's hitting, he'll grab even more playing time from these guys. Problem is, Eduardo Escobar homered again today. Um, and has actually looked really good in a limited role. I think he's a guy you can put on your bench not play that much, and he can find success still. So if that's the case and you don't want to lose a veteran leader, let's say he's locked in stone. Do you option Guillaume? Well, now who's your backup shortstop? Who's your backup second baseman? Yes, Eduardo Escobar theoretically can do those things, but in actuality, you don't want him playing either of those positions really. You really just want to stick him at third base, maybe because he did a little bit of left field in the WBC. You can talk yourself into, uh, you know, an occasional and a blue moon star, but more likely him being used in emergency situations. And that's what leads me to say Tommy Pham might be the answer here. He has not performed well this season. You're not married to this guy at all. The money is the least amount of any of these guys at while Vogelback's technically cheaper. But again, I, I think there is some value in keeping Vogelback on your bench because even if you are going to play Mark Vientos, you know, maybe there's a spot in the eighth inning where you want to go to Daniel Vogelback to hit for Mark Canna. Uh, and then, you know, you want to put Giorme in for defense and shovel around your line. I, I don't know. But. You know, Vogelback as a hitter does have some value, and maybe you're just not ready to give up on that. 
You maybe you want to see Vientos prove it before you say, all right, let's try to find a trade partner for, for Vogelback. I think in the long run, you're going to need another outfielder on this team. But in the short term, with Brett Beatty's ability to slide into left in a pinch, Eduardo Escobar potentially as well, and the fact that Jeff McNeil really is your fourth outfielder where you know if you're going to give Marte or Canna a day, it's always Jeff McNeil sliding out there with Guillaume at second anyway. Where I think you can get by for a little bit, and because of the upside that Mark Vientos provides you offensively, I just think you're getting to a point where you can't deny this dude. Because, uh, again, if there was some kind of hole or flaw in his swing that I could point to and say, yeah, he still needs to work on this, fine. And last year you would have said the, the breaking balls and the inability to to face right-handed pitching. Um, you know, He didn't have those split problems the year before, so it was something that we thought could be ironed out. I think he was actually even better against righties than lefties um, in 2021. But last year, that was an issue, and you thought, okay, maybe he can only face those lefties at the big league level. Look, again, what did I tell you? You know, 10 of those home runs, or no, what was it? 11 of those 13 home runs this season have come against right-handed pitching. He absolutely can mash righties. And in the long run, I think what we've learned this year with these prospects is, look, maybe there's going to be a learning curve. But already what we've seen from Brett Beatty is going to be a guy that will produce better over the long haul than Eduardo Escobar. What we see with Francisco Alvarez behind the plate is he's going to produce more than Tomas Nino and Omar Nervais. Although I will say Nervais coming back apparently soon, starting to get some rehab games in. It'll be good to have a better backup than Perez. Um, and who knows, that could mean the end of Tomas Nito's tenure with the Mets, honestly. We'll see what happens with all of that. It's going to be something that's to be figured out. We'll discuss it at a later, at a later date. Um, also, since we're mentioning news, Carlos Carrasco is slated to start Friday. Jose Quintana uh, has a big uh, CT scan, I believe they said, and there's a chance he can resume baseball activity. So all that good news. But back to the conversation at hand here. Mark Vientos in the long run, is going to give you the most production from that DH spot. Daniel Vogelback, again, 300 plate appearances almost with the Mets now. Eight home runs. If you give Mark Vientos 300 plate appearances at the big league level, I promise you, he's hitting more than eight home runs. In fact, he might hit damn near 20. And for a team that is struggling to find power. Granted, they hit three home runs today. They can use every ounce of it. And Mark Vientos is a piece that I think has proven that shadow of doubt that he's ready. So let him face MLB pitching. And at this point, I'm pretty confident you're going to be happy with the results. But um, we'll see how much longer the Mets can hold off making that call. Uh, and I guess, I guess, you know, I probably should talk about the baseball game. The Mets lost. We're going to finally get into the game recap. Uh, before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by the most comfortable shorts ever, Bird Dogs. I'll tell you, I love these shorts. I am a guy that has, since I was probably 10 or 11 years old, rocked basketball shorts everywhere because I'm all about comfort. I'm all about feel. Guess what? I have now found shorts that look good and feel good. What a concept. My wife doesn't have to be embarrassed 
they can choose out on a date with a guy that looks like he's still in middle school. Because I have bird dogs now that feel comfortable, that look great, that are incredibly versatile. You can wear them on the golf course, you can wear them to church, wear them out to dinner, wear them back at home when you're lounging around. That is the beauty of bird dogs. If you want to feel how great they fit on you, all you got to do is go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Want to make sure I have the URL correct for you. Birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. When you enter the promo code locked on MLB, they're going to throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So check it out. Birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Justin Verlander made his City Field debut on Tuesday night against the Rays. Things did not go well. But honestly, I don't come out of this looking down on Justin Verlander. I look at this Rays team and say, wow, I understand why they're 20-plus games over 500 because they're ridiculous. You know, Verlander, he worked around runners in scoring position the first couple innings. Third inning finally comes back to bite him. Walked a guy, gave up a hit. Two runners on, gets a big strikeout after just a long, just grueling at bat against Brandon Lau. Gets Randy Rosarena to pop up. You're like, all right, they got through the tough hitters. Verlander's going to get through it. Then Isaac Paredes hits a three-run homer. Now, later in the game, Paredes got him again for a two-run homer. Gave up another run on a double and a hit. Um, bottom line, you know, he gives up runs in the third, fourth, and fifth innings. Doesn't make it past the fifth. Another Mets starter that doesn't go beyond five, which is... Uh, running theme with this team. The bullpen allowed some runs as well. Uh, you had Leon give up one. You had uh, Drew Smith give up one. And eight runs allowed. Going to be tough to win. And give the Mets credit. They actually hit a little bit at the end of this game. Brad Beatty homered. Pete Alonzo homered. Wardo Escobar homered. That's all fine and well. And, you know, maybe the lineup can get going and steal one of these games. But that Rays team is really good, and there's every chance the Mets are going to be 20-25 uh, by the end of this series. That's the case. Hopefully, when you face teams that are easier to beat, you can pull yourself out of that hole. This Rays team is just a machine right now, and I don't know if it lets up. You know, I don't know if the Mets fare much better to close things out. Kodai Senga, maybe he can deliver a gem on Wednesday, and then you got Tyler McGill. So we'll just see what happens here. Uh, again, I, I'm not overreacting to Justin Verlander. I think he's still a very good pitcher, and he's going to be just fine in the long run. That's going to be all, though, for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan, and follow the show Locked on Mets.